I've told you before that I learned a long time ago that uh, God had his way of working in lots of circumstances. Uh, in one of those circumstances, he led me to the, to the lectionary, which is a cycle of, of scripture readings that takes you through the scriptures over a three-year period. Uh, the lessons this, this month come from the book of Job, so the sermons this month will come from the book of Job. No, I will not try to cover all 42 chapters, uh, but over the next four weeks, uh, each sermon on Sunday morning will come from the book of Job. And today's sermon comes from the first two chapters, so I'll continue reading in verse 13 where we find these words from the book of Job. Now, there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people, and they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Again there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord... And Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Should we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. And as troubling as it may seem, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Why do good things happen? I mean, why do bad things happen to good people? Boy, there's a question for you. 
a question for, who, for which people have sought the answer literally across every civilization and across every millennium on which humanity has lived on this planet. And I think in our situation, we would rephrase the question and put it a little more succinctly, and we would say, why do bad things happen to God's people? After all, it seems we're the ones who have believed in the resurrection. We're the ones who have believed that Jesus' death actually atoned for our sins and His resurrection has given us eternal life. We're the ones who proclaim the gospel day in and day out in our lives. We're the ones who take on the responsibility of living godly lives in a very ungodly society. We're the ones who, uh, who, who you know, try to resist temptation, who pray that God will not put temptation before us because, of, because you know, we know a bunch of people out there for whom they don't have to look very hard for it. And we're the ones who are bearing all the burdens uh, of Christianity because we know that, that, know that we're only one generation away from extinction and then all of a sudden it seems that just when we think we're finally getting somewhere, everything falls apart. The job goes bust. The doctor calls with a bad report. Uh, somebody dies in your family. Everything goes crazy. And, of course, I'm sure, I'm the, I'm sure the Alexanders are the only family here that, uh, that, that uh, has had one of those weeks where absolutely, positively, everything breaks. I'm the only one here, right? Didn't think so. Uh, and, of course, it's been that way for ages. I remember one time back when I was growing up where, uh, where uh, no, no, Daddy was driving one car on his insurance route and the car messed up. So he took the pickup truck to go tow the car home, pull the transmission out of the pickup truck. To make matters worse, I think that may have been the week that he also totaled another car. I'm trying to, I, I may have my, my things a little fuzzy there. But, you know, you kind of get the picture. You know, we're the, ones, we're the ones who God should bless. Why in the world does all this happen? And time and again throughout history, people have turned to the book of Job looking for the answers. And as we look in the book of Job, we start to realize some things that should comfort us, even if it may trouble us a little bit in the back of our minds. And we also need to keep in mind this thing that C.S. Lewis says, and I believe, I believe uh, really comes into play here. Pain is God's microphone to a, screaming, to a dying world. Uh, we can ignore God when everything is going nice and swimmingly in our lives, but it seems the moment everything falls apart, then, Lord, to whom shall we go? And we start looking for answers. Well, I don't think that you really find that many answers in the first part of Job. Instead, what you find is a man that God had blessed for very good reason. Because the book opens up with a description of Job, and the description says that the man was blameless and upright, who feared God and turned away from evil. Blameless. Essentially, the Hebrew word there says that, 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 that he was a follower of the law. You didn't have to worry about whether, whether Job was going to break the law or something or other. Mr. Police was never going to show up at Job's house and have to knock on his door to serve him a warrant for something. As a matter of fact, in now, nowadays, uh, Job was one of these guys where if the speed limit said 35 on the interstate, he'd actually do it. Now, I don't know if you've driven on the interstate very, very often here lately, but the speed limit says 70, and I still don't know anybody that does it. Job's one of the guys that, no, he's going to stick right to the speed limit. He's going to stick right, no, if, you know, if it says don't use your cell phone at the gas station while you're pumping gas, Job's going to turn his off. Blameless. And he's also upright. 
He is a disciplined man. He's a man that, that, that everyone looks to because he's a responsible man. He's upstanding in his, in, the, in his community. He's a community leader. He's one of the ones that everybody goes to for advice. And then it's not just that. He feared God. He showed proper reverence to God day in and day out. He knew that he served a living God, and he lived that way. And also, he turned away from evil. Didn't have to worry about, uh, worry about Job praying, lead us not to temptation. The moment he saw it, he was going the other direction. He, he never, never started looking for evil in the first place, and then when it just had to crop up in front of him, he went the other direction. You can't find anybody better than that. I don't know if you can find anybody like that in our society today. Quite honestly, don't look here. Why in the world did something bad happen to this guy? I point out to you that you can look at Job's life and you see the blessing of God all in it. God had blessed him with the ability to manage great possessions and then had blessed him with great possessions. Even more, he had blessed him with ten children. Oh, wow, what a great blessing that he had all these children. And then it's not just a case of God blessing him with these children. Job accepted the responsibility of the blessing of these children. His, uh, uh, hey, his kids, they'd get together, uh, get together on the feast days and everything, and boy, they'd tie one on. They really knew how to, how to enjoy life and everything. And at the end of the cycle, Job would haul everybody to the family altar. He would offer up the sacrifices and anything just in case one of them had messed up. He didn't take any chances. It's what blameless people do. And everything's going along just fine. And then all of a sudden, everything crashes to the ground. Literally in a day, everything disappears, wiped out. Even the worst thing that could happen to a person, he lost his children. Now, here's the thing to keep in mind. Job doesn't know about the conversation occurring in heaven. Okay? He doesn't have a clue. Sons of God present themselves before Almighty God, and Satan shows up. Now, that alone should tell you the moment you see the see Satan, uh, the Hebrew word there, uh, adversary, showing up, that something bad's about to happen. Satan never shows up in Scripture and brings good news. Okay? Shows up the Garden of Eden in the form of a serpent. Not a rat snake, by the way. And next thing you know, we're eating at a house and home. Away, Adam and Eve go. They're out of the Garden of Eden. He shows up time and again. He shows up in the wilderness and, it, and, and, and to, to tempt Jesus. And Jesus tells him, Get behind me, Satan, for it's written that you serve the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. St. Paul says he wanted to go see the Thessalonians one time, and Satan prevented it. Time and again, when Satan shows up in Scripture, he always brings bad things. I think we pretty much know, know nowadays when the, the days that no, when the temptations start hitting us and everything, nothing good ever comes of it. Well, I'm pleased to tell you that at the end of the book, Scripture tells us exactly what he's going to get. So the next time Satan starts trying to remind you of your past, whatever it may be, just go ahead and turn to Revelation and remind him of his future. So, meanwhile, God says to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? None like him on the earth. Blameless and upright man, one who fears God and turns away from evil. Now, can you imagine God himself describing someone that way? Now, that's someone 
that serves God. God himself knows that Job is his man. And the next thing you know, Satan tosses out a challenge. Well, of course he serves you. You put a hedge around him. I can't get to him. Nobody can get to him. Take that hedge away, he'll curse you to your face. And what does Satan, what does God say? Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. Even Satan has limits, and God makes sure that he follows them. The next thing you know, calamity. And yet in the midst of all the calamity, Job responds by saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, quite honestly, I have gone through times in my life when I pretty much have had to walk away from a lot of stuff. Uh, I've told y'all before, when, uh, before when, 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 I, when God called me to go to seminary, I walked away from a desk sitting, coffee drinking, state-funded job, at, no, state taxpayer-funded job at, at the university where I had all the toys at taxpayer expense. Hey, if you're a computer nerd, you couldn't get any better than that. And the next thing I know, God's calling. Hey, I told him, only death, retirement, or a call from God to get me away from this place. Next thing I know, I'm having to resign to go to seminary. Um, don't think God won't call you away from, the, from, the, from the, the, all the fun stuff. And yet, here's the thing. I had to come to realize I didn't do anything to get where I was in the first place. They hired me because of talents. Well, God had given me the talents in the first place. They hired me because of skills. Well, God had given me the ability to, to learn all this stuff that it took to get the job in the first place. Uh, they hired me because I happened to apply. Well, I can look back and see how God put these people in my life moment by moment by moment to prepare me for the job that he had given me in the first place. It wasn't my job. God gave it to me, and all I could do was give it back to him when he called for me to give it up and go, and, and go on. Choices, you know. And hey, when you're born again, you're not your own. I, when I came into this world 46 years ago at People's Hospital in Jasper, Alabama, don't bother looking for it, it's gone. I didn't bring a thing in here with me. And whenever God calls me to go away from this place, I won't take a thing out with me except for the people in my life. Just in case you're tied to some possession of something, you, I want you to know this. There's not the first possession you have that you're going to take into eternity with you. You'll take the people that you know. People alone are immortal. So Job doesn't sin. He blesses the name of the Lord. So Satan goes back for round two because God tells him he still holds fast his integrity even though you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. And Satan says, hey, skin for skin, hit him where it hurts. No, I, 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 I've told some of y'all, back when, back when I was doing computer read stuff for a credit union, I learned something about, about people. You learn a lot about people when you work, at, uh, when you work out in the public. Folks, I'm here to tell you, if you want to me- find out what's really in somebody, you mess with one of two things. You mess with their health or you mess with their money. You think I'm right? Yeah, you mess with their health or their money, and, and I'm here to tell you, you'll find out all kind of stuff about somebody. You let their car break down, they can be kind of cool. You let things go wrong around the house, they'll, they'll be fine. You let their computer go bonkers, they'll be fine. You mess with their health, their money, and you'll find the true measure of somebody. So what does Satan do? He hits his health. And here's the point where somebody breaks in the story. 
Now, I know that Job's wife has gotten a bad rep for a long, long time, but just in case you're wondering, you need to understand, Job's not the only one that's lost anything here. This woman was a godly woman. She had to have been a godly woman because God had given her to Job as his helpmate. She also helped, helped. I mean, you go back and look in, the ancient, in ancient cultures and everything. The, the wife helped with the administration. She probably did as much for the administration of all this, these vast possessions as Job did. Plus, she had given birth to these kids. Now, I praise God that I don't know what Job's going through right now, but those who do have told me, no, no, tell me there is nothing as gut-wrenching as losing your children. And this woman lost ten of them in one day. And now she's seeing the man she loves, with whom she has born ten children, and that and has gone through all this stuff, she sees him down. It doesn't surprise me that she finally gives in, folks. It would surprise me more if she didn't. So when Job starts this, you know, talking like a foolish woman, he's not saying, you're a fool. He essentially is saying, remember who you are. Remember that you are a wise woman. Just as they look to me for, to me for all this stuff, they look to you as well. And he holds fast his integrity. And in a real sense, I think we can, we can understand that, you know, although she doesn't appear in the rest of the book, uh, this one sentence was enough to put, put his wife back on something of an even kill, as much as you can get in this situation. And it says that Job did not sin with his lips in all that, that he had experienced, in all that he had to endure. Now, I know that there are some of us here that we have just gone through life and everything has fallen right in place for us and we've never had to worry about anything going on. You know, the, the, uh, what, you know, everything fell in place for us to go to school in the right place, we went to school. Everything fell in place for us to get the right job, and we got the right job. Everything fell in place for us to marry the right person, to have enough kids, all this stuff, and everything's going great for us, and we don't have a clue what Job's talking about here. Well, for the rest of us, for the rest of us, I've got, I've got news for you. I would love to tell you that you can go reading through this book and you can find that God gives a definitive answer. Four weeks and 40 chapters from now, we're going to get the best answer we're going to get. Okay? And you're just going to have to stay tuned. In the meantime, we need to point out a few things from this passage. Number one, it wasn't Job's fault. Okay? Now, I know there are some people out there who will say, well, God is sovereign and he can do anything he wants to, and if he wants to crush somebody, he can. Well, yeah, I'm not going to argue with him about God's sovereignty, and I'm not going to argue about him with what God can do. I also know what God points out that he does in Scripture. I know that time and again he promises that that when we obey him, we put ourselves in the place of blessing, and he blesses us, and he helps us, and he encourages us, and then he uses us that he has blessed, those of us he has blessed, to bless those people around us. As I said in Sunday school this morning, we are called to bless other people. It's why he blesses us. No, he doesn't bless us so we can hoard them all up, keep them to ourselves. He blesses us so we can bless all those around us. But y'all, just in case you've been living in fantasy land somewhere around Disney World and you're waiting for Tinkerbell to show up and make everything all right, or no, maybe it's not Tinkerbell, it's your fairy of the week. Whoever it is that's making everything all right, I have sad news for you. We live in a sinful world. 
We live in a fallen world. We live with fallen people in a fallen society, in a sin-sodden society. And let me tell you, in the perfect world, everybody would do exactly what they were supposed to do and they were gonna, they'd help everybody exactly as much as they needed helping and we'd never have to worry about anything. I'm here to tell you, it doesn't work that way. I've been around the sun enough times to figure that out. Actually, I figured that out before I'd been around the sun a lot less times than I have now. It comes down to this. There are people out there that want stuff, and they'll do anything they have to do to get the stuff. Now, the, the, uh, I have to, have to point out those whippersnappers over, the, uh, over on campus, campus every so often. You've got these folks. You know, they live and laugh and lust and fight and die and envy and greed and all this stuff as bad back then as they do now. Now, I know that we all have those people in our lives. We've all got them in our family. It doesn't matter what they have to do. It doesn't matter who in the family they have that they have to pull something on. They'll do anything they can to make sure they get ahead. I, uh, and, and, you know, I'm not going to extrapolate. I've got them in my family, and don't lie to me. I know you've got them in yours. And if you don't, I've got enough in mine, I can loan you a few. Wouldn't bother me at all. Talk all the time about trying to lop off the branches. Well, here's the thing. Here's what it comes down to, y'all. I don't have to loan you any of mine because you have your own. And they'll do anything they can, and whatever they do, it never occurs to them that there's a judgment day coming. And one of these days, all this stuff that they have stolen and lied and grubbed and everything else and groveled trying to get, they're going to die. And it's staying here. And they will stand before a just God. And the only hope any of us has comes from one of the most unjust things that's ever happened in this horribly marred world. And it happened back in A.D. 33 when a man was ramrodded through a sham trial in the early hours of the morning and then hauled before the, one of the worst cowards that ever became a Roman, a Roman procurator. Blameless and upright. If you want to use those words to describe anybody, they describe Jesus. He was blameless and upright. The only man who ever faced temptation and perfectly won. The only man who ever perfectly fulfilled the law. The only man who never sinned. And yet, through the machinations of the Jewish leadership and the cooperation of uh, of a coward, of a procurator, by the guy, a guy by the name of Pilate, Jesus found himself dying an unjust death. Folks, he did nothing to deserve that death. Okay, so he's not the only innocent person that's ever died. Well, he's the only perfectly innocent person that ever died. And we serve a God that can take a Roman crucifixion and turn it into an opportunity for our victory. We serve a God who, when the life comes crashing down around us, can take something of the pieces and make something beautiful of them. 
because he's already done it. He's already done it with a crucifixion over in Jerusalem outside the city walls on, a, on a, an abandoned quarry named Golgotha. He's already done it, by the, done it through Jesus coming through, the, through death itself. Yes, they put Jesus in a tomb that Joseph of Arimathea had carved for his family and no one had ever used. But hey, Jesus didn't stay there. Three days later, he rose again. That's the kind of God we serve. We serve a God who can take a resurrection and can transform it into our salvation. We serve a God who can take anything that's ever happened in our lives and turn it into something glorious. But oh my, at the trust it requires. Yeah, I mean, it's not just one incident. Time and again in my life, it seems I've been thrown down and I've wondered, what, God, what in the world are you doing to me? And, uh, yeah, you take it to the Lord in prayer, as the song says. Sometimes people say that's a little trite. Let me tell you, don't believe them. It works. It's the only thing that'll work. And even when things are completely in tatters around us, we can still bless the name of the Lord. I'd love to tell you that you can have one of the most powerful witnesses in all of your circle if you're constantly blessed and never have to worry about any kind of stress in your life. I'd love to tell you that. But I'll have to tell you, one of the, one of the times when I, had, when I had one of the strongest witnesses in my life, you know, we went through a data processing conversion back at the credit union. Folks, I have no idea how, why, how, what sin I committed. I had to go through that. If you've never done one, you don't know. And I don't want to wish it on you. But, this, uh, but one of the, my coworkers said, I don't see how in the world you're getting through this with the way you are. And I had to tell her, it's not me. It's not me. It's God within me. And here's what it comes down to. We serve a God who has already given us salvation through the resurrection of His Son. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord, everyone who confesses that Jesus is Lord, believing God raised Him from the dead, shall be saved. And the Holy Spirit comes within us and begins strengthening us and encouraging us, putting us with the congregation so that we can help each other through the trials of life, so we can celebrate when everything's going great, we can all get you know, sorrowful together when things are going wrong, we can all pick each other up, help each other out, and then begin reaching out beyond the congregation to those around us and start letting God work in, work in their lives through our life. And yeah, every once in a while things completely fall apart. Well, I, hey, welcome to life. If it hasn't fallen apart for you yet, hang on. But here's the glorious thing about it, folks. We live in a sin-marred world, but it ain't going to be forever. We are promised. We are promised a new heaven and a new earth. We are promised a new heaven and a new earth where God himself will live with us and we shall be his people and he shall be our God. We'll never again have to worry about Satan coming in to accuse us. Once again, go read Revelation for details. We'll never again have to worry about things falling apart, getting that bad phone call in the middle of the night or any of that stuff. We'll never, gonna, never have to worry about it again. On that day, we shall truly bless the name of the Lord. 
We shall bless His name for all of eternity for what He has done for us to bring us there. We shall bless the name of the Lord because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And we'll bless the name of the Lord as we look back over our lives and we see every single moment when we think that He had left us out to dry, that He really was carrying us. And He really was using the events of our life to transform us, not just into stronger people now, but glorious beings in the life to come. So I'm here to tell you, whatever you're going through right now, and I know in a congregation this size, somebody's going through something, okay? More than likely, a good chunk of us is going through something. But all I can tell you is hang on. Keep praying. Bless the name of the Lord and let God work through what He's bringing you through right now, knowing full well if He can bring Jesus through death, He can bring you through as well. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.